Mark the Mangler Wheeler was one of the best human fighters Korak had ever seen. 7 feet 8 inches tall, 2% body fat, and a lightning-fast 450 pounds. Five years in, the Mangler had just two losses against 18 wins, 12 by knockout, 4 by submission, and 2 by death. The Mangler had exceptional grappling skills, a fantastic knowledge of non-human anatomy, and his ground-and-pound skills could make a seasoned war vet wince. If Wheeler got you in a full mount, he finished you the hard way, with elbows so fast they look like blurs, even in super slow-mo replays. The Mangler was one of the best human fighters around, young, fast, and strong, far stronger than Korak. But Wheeler wasn't, was experienced, and that would be the difference. Wheeler knew he'd broken Korak's arm, and that there hadn't been enough time to fix it properly. He'd come after it. Korak could keep him at bay with left jabs, buy time while the nanocyte stitched up the internal damage. But Korak and the judges didn't like stick-and-move tactics. Korak stumbled coming out of his corner. He heard the crowd's quick murmur. 450 pounds of human physical perfection shot across the ring, caution forgotten, mouthpiece bared, and wide eyes filled with a hunger for intergalactic glory. <laughs> Korak threw a sharp middle left hand jab. Wheeler was coming in too fast, and the punch caught him on the right eyebrow, instantly opening up a fresh cut. Despite the cut, Wheeler kept coming. Korak stepped back again and threw the same left hand jab, threw it a little slower wondering if the human would still not see the ruse. Wheeler ducked his jab, bent his knees to drop a bit, then grabbed for Korak's middle right wrist. Korak made it look like his punch-drunk lethargy was making him groggy, weak. Wheeler reached in and down for the wrist. Wheeler was a disciplined fighter, a skilled fighter, but Korak had learned something in the last seven years. The lust for the title can make an opponent overeager. Not by much, but when you're facing the champ, one small mistake, can spell disaster in the octagon. Wheeler's hands locked down on Korak's right wrist. The champ stepped forward with his left foot as he turned his right shoulder back, seeming to pull his wrist away from the aggressor. Wheeler had no problem with the evasive move, taking an extra half-step forward to compensate. He closed in with his chin down tight against his chest, raw fury and youthful skill pouring off of him. Wheeler's grip squeezed tight. Now Korak could not pull away even if he wanted to. But the champ just wanted to turn, to put his back to the ref, so the ref couldn't see what came next. Heavy key refs were the only sentience that could work a heavyweight MMA fight. Heavyweights were trained to break joints, cut off airflow, pulverize nerve clusters, and if those things didn't work, to use fists to turn flesh, chitin, or pebble armor into a broken stew of protein and calcium. If you were going to pull one berserk 450-pound killing machine off of another, you needed strength, mass, and an extra set of muscle-bound arms didn't hurt either. Fighting always came back to speed, but speed is only half of a fighter's ability to land blows. The other half is timing. With 17 years of professional fighting under his belt, timing was something ingrained in every atom of Korak's body. With his smaller upper right arm, <laughs> Korak drove an uppercut into Wheeler's jaw forcing his chin up and away from the chest for a fraction of a second. Korak and Wheeler turned, just as Korak threw the short rabbit punch to the back of Wheeler's head. Korak didn't know what a rabbit was, and he didn't care. But the hard chitin fist landed dead on, just under the left rear ridge of skull, driving into neck muscles as dense as hardwood. Their turn continued. Wheeler's hand spasmed, his grip loosened. 
In a fraction of a second, Korak reversed it, his three-fingered hand rotating outward, fingers extending, the movement forcing the mangler's hand backward until they lost the grip on Korak's wrist. Korak continued the outward turn until his fingers locked down on Wheeler's now upturned wrist. The grab, then the pull, keeping the spin going. Wheeler stumbled forward as Korak hopped onto the human's broad back. All of this as the rabbit punch skidded across the back of Wheeler's head, Korak's right fist sliding around under Wheeler's jaw and across his throat. Korak's arm tightened, all sides pressing in on Wheeler's neck, cutting off blood, cutting off air. Finally, his two smaller upper arms locked onto his lower left, wrapping Wheeler's head and throat in a python-tight chitin cage. The challenger planted his feet and tried to turn in. The rabbit punch had only stunned Wheeler for maybe half a second. But by that time, Korak had mounted the challenger's back, the chokehold locked firmly around the human's neck, locked in deep. Korak's legs sank around Wheeler's front, three-toed feet locking tight on his abdomen, digging in and constricting his diaphragm. Wheeler tried to stay standing, tried to balance 400 pounds of Quith Warrior on his back, because he knew that to fall now meant submission and a loss. Korak's inner thighs squeezed down on Wheeler's hips. Korak's arms cinched even tighter, pushing down with his legs and pulling up with his arms, Korak focused all of his strength on trying to snap the arrogant human's neck. Korak almost couldn't hear the human's pitiful choking noises as he tapped out.